Welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by AJF Plaster, with myself, Signus Baum. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, South Stand Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy-o, it's Mr Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello everyone, welcome back. This is episode number 271, and we'd like to thank everyone who tuned into our last show, which seems like an absolute <laughs> age ago. It was a couple of weeks ago, as you may remember, we did it on a Monday night because we went to Stoke on the Sat on the Sunday. Sorry. So uh, this week, though, um, there's obviously a couple of weeks' worth of news to bring you up to speed on, so we'll make sure you've not missed anything that's happened um, in the world of Leighton Orient in the last two weeks. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to review the Port Vale match from yesterday, and uh, we, we, you know, not much happens. That's a brief one. Uh, and as always, we've got plenty of views, plenty of opinions. So I think, uh, without further ado, let's just crack on. And as always, we start with a word from our podcast sponsor. Yeah, so our podcast is proudly sponsored by AJF Plastering, who are an Essex-based plastering and rendering company. They cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work. They specialise in silicone colour render systems. And the best part about AJF Plastering is that they offer 15% off, a genuine 15% off for all Leighton Orient fans and staff. So if you want more information for the best plastering and rendering prices around, there's various ways you can get your hands on these details, you can visit Adam and the team on their shiny, beautiful website at www.agfplastering.co.uk or you can email agfplastering simply at agfplastering.outlook.com or if you're on social media, so are agfplastering on Facebook and Instagram under agfplastering and if you're on Twitter, go and look up Big Ads with a Z, LOFC for head honcho Adam Francis where he raves about agfplastering. He's got some great graphics on there from our friend James Cadby. And basically, he's had some great reviews, and it's a great offer. So wait, no more Rose fans, and go get yeah. yourself a great deal. Absolutely, uh, and I can absolutely attest to the quality of the work as well. So let's now move to the supporters club. Um, they've got a couple of coaches going uh, to a couple of different trips. You can book your place on the coach to Mansfield on Saturday, the 29th of January. That's leaving the supporters club at 9am. That costs £37 for adults, £34 for concessions. And you can also book for Bradford City on Tuesday, the 1st of February. That's leaving at 1 o'clock because there's a 7.45 kick-off there. That's the rearranged one. That's £39 for adults, £36 for concession. And remember, these prices do not include your match day ticket. You will need to buy them separately. And you can book for any of those trips by going into the supporters club on a match day. Or you can call the travel line on 07507 539 Five seven nine. It's a fairly new number, so make sure you've got that updated in your phone. Yep, so the Sports Club update is done. One piece of AOB this week, and on Friday we announced that we partnered with a charity called the One Hour Project for the remainder of the season. So we thought this is a perfect time to get an O's fan on from that charity to tell us more about the project. So welcome to the On Outlook podcast, O's fan and trustee, Matt Molina Peppers. Thanks, guys. I, I really appreciate that. And again, thank you for, for um, letting us be part of the, uh, the podcast tonight and obviously uh, stepping up and, and being one of our partners. We're really excited about how 
this will impact uh, students locally in the Waltham Forest area. Perfect. Matt, thanks and, and, and appreciate you, um, you you wanting to do this with us. We, we couldn't be prouder to, to be supporting this uh, tremendous charity. But just before we talk about the charity, as we mentioned, you're an O's fan. Uh, I think you're a season ticket holder in the West End, if memory serves me right. So how long have you been following the O's, supporting the O's, and, and why Orient? What made you be an Orient fan? Um, yeah, I've been following the O's since uh, my dad first took me over there, which would have been roughly about 86, 87. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it was a local team. Um, I, I don't no longer live in the area, but um, uh, I grew up in, I was born in Whips Cross, grew up in Leightonstone. So it was just natural for us to, to go there. My, my dad had been a fan for, for a long time. All my friends at school were uh, uh, Liverpool fans and, and uh, Man United fans and stuff like that, which, you know, wasn't for me. Um, so been a, been a nose fan for, for quite a while. And uh, even though... Um, it's, it's probably wasn't the right thing to do. My 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 kids are season ticket holders as well. I've got two children. My wife is as well now. Um, they don't really have a choice. So um, you know it's in their blood as well, which is which is fantastic. And we'll we'll keep you know keep that uh, rhythm going uh, for as long as we can. Wonderful, great to hear. Do you remember your first game, Matt? Uh, watching the O's. <clears throat> I think it would have been a same roundabout. Eighty-seven, I think it was. You know, I think it was home against. I mean, maybe in Preston. I'm not hundred percent sure. But my dad took me uh, absolutely freezing. Standed, stand, uh, stood in the um, the east side at the front. There, we had a little section where we could stand. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a blur that game. But my, my earliest sort of main memories would have been probably the the promotion season '89. Um, you know that 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 really stuck with me, and they're they're probably some of my favourite players from that era as well. Go on, indulge us. Who who were your favourite <laughs> players? Well, Steve Castle. I love Steve Castle. Love Terry Howard from that time. Um, you know, Terry Howard was um, definitely one of my favourite players. And then you know, as time goes by, there's always been other players I've really enjoyed watching. King Kenny, Kenny Atchimpong, Carl yeah. uh, Griffiths, you know, and obviously up to the more recent times as well. Uh, there was a small window in between that where I <clears throat> I worked in the US, so I had to uh, watch or, or, or listen to, I say, to a lot of the games on the radio, uh, on the internet at the time. But um, we came back, and since then it's just been great to be back and been great to introduce my, my family to the bug as well. Sounds great, sounds great. Do you have a favourite game, Matt, or one that sticks out in the memory for you in particular? Uh, probably the playoff game against Rotherham away, we won on penalties. Um, you know, the, the tension, and I can see, if I close my eyes, I can still see that Scott Barrett save right at the end. <laughs> and then um, the penalties themselves, they were down the other end from where we were. But the, the bedlam, the, the craziness in the away end at the end, um, you know, still gives me sort of goosebumps now thinking about it. Love it. Absolutely love it. And you haven't gone for like an obvious, uh, well, I'm not saying obvious, like a, a less obvious. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Love it. Absolutely love it. So um, t- tell us about the charity, Matt. T- tell us, give us a bit of an overview. Uh, it's, it's the one-hour project. What what does that mean? What what's it about? Um, and I guess why was it set up? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Please. So um, at the start of 
you know, lockdown when COVID sort of kicked in, uh, myself and uh, three other initial founders came together and said, you know, we've got to do something because we knew that um, students from sort of less advantaged backgrounds were going to find it even harder to get the right employment once we came out of this or as we came close to becoming out of it. Now, obviously, we're not quite out of it at the moment, but... Uh, we seem there seem, does seem to be a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel now, um, but the reason for that was that all four of us have worked primarily with at, at universities at various levels, um, mostly senior levels, and also uh, or we've worked for large corporates on the talent attraction and talent development side. And one of the things we've always talked about is that there's there's a massive layer of really clever, uh, well, I call them kids, but, you know, the, the, the young adults, really, um, that, that, that go through the education system. And just because they don't have a network, they, they end up becoming un- underemployed. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of a lot of what goes into landing really great employment once you finish studying is sometimes not necessarily what you know, it's really who you know. Um and just because maybe mum and dad, you know, haven't played golf with the CEO somewhere, that probably means that you can't get an internship or um, you struggle to get noticed. So we said, well, what can we do to sort of try to open up that network? And we came up with the idea of the one-hour project, which it sort of says what it, what it is on the tin, really. What we do is we match up <clears throat> students or, or people um, that are looking to start a career with um, what we call industry experts for one-hour networking conversations. And the idea behind that was that we knew that there was probably three things that really go into helping these students. We need to really build their confidence. We need to have them understand what it takes to really sort of speak up for yourself. And then that will open up the door to the networking piece. And that's really why we um, created the one-hour project, is we're trying to match... The, those students for those with those industry experts for the one hour initial conversation to find out about a sort of an insight or to demystify what their profession or what it takes to get into their profession really is uh, offer some career advice if they've got any just tell their story um, and as I said really sort of open up that access to the professional network side and so far we've been going for roughly about a year now um, and um, we've been able to impact nearly a thousand students, which has been great. Uh, and we've been blown away with the number of what we call industry experts who have signed up. We've got getting close to about five thousand hours now of industry experts um, that are available or waiting to be matched up with students. And for our networks with the universities in the UK. We've been able to attract more and more students coming through. But doing things like this and partnering with um, great organisations like yourself that have a voice in the local community, what we're hoping to do is is connect with more students, attract more industry experts as well into the programme. So how does someone get involved, Matt? If someone's listening to this podcast right at this moment, it goes, that sounds like a plan. I'd, I'd love to get involved. How do people get involved and how do they contact you? It's, it's a really simple pro, pro process. We have we have a website. Um, it's called OneHourProject.org. That's the number one um, HourProject.org. Uh, if you visit the website, and, uh, and I believe you, you tweet 
sorry, out the other day, but if you visit there, you can register as a student or register as an industry expert. Uh, or if you, if you wanted to, you can obviously offer additional support. We're always looking for additional support. And uh, that would be the initial step. Now, um, as a industry expert, after that, what we do is take you through um, and uh, a few few steps. One would be the initial registration where we ask you to identify the industry and the expertise that you have. And secondly, how many uh, hours you would like to donate. And when it comes to the student side, um, there's a few more steps. But we, what we take you through is obviously the registration. Uh, we, we ask you to identify skills that you feel that you have. So strengths and skills are very important to us because we want to make sure that the student really starts to identify what they're good at. Um, and then also two people that will vouch for the, those strengths or skills. This goes back into sort of standing up for yourself and getting people to stand up for you. And the vouching process is very simple. We just ask that an individual to say, you know, I've seen Matt, Matt in action and he's really good at this, this and this. Um, after that, we, we put you through uh, an industry uh, a briefing session, uh, which includes uh, a short uh, toolkit that we put together that really helps when it comes to the initial step that I spoke about earlier, building that confidence. So we want to make sure that they get the most out of that initial one-hour conversation, and that's what the toolkit is for. Uh, once they've done that, we match them, and um, we let the industry expert and the student together for that initial one-hour conversation that's all we're really expecting to happen but what we've found is that a lot of uh, these conversations evolved into something else you know a bit of a sort of mini mentoring program we've seen some students that have actually been able to land positions and internships because of their connections which is really great to see um, and then after that we give them ongoing access to materials that will further explore and build their strengths and uh, we've uh, We've partnered with external companies like Captain that have a really great program helps the students afterwards. So first step would be to visit the website. Uh, alternatively, you can connect with me directly. You can follow us on Twitter as well. Uh, our Twitter handle is um, at One Hour Project. Very simple. Um, or you can just email me, Matt at OneHourProject.org directly if you have any questions. Uh, I'd love to sort of hear from you guys. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So just just, just for the, I guess the sake of clarity, it doesn't actually cost a industry expert money. It's just more about giving up one hour of their time or more if they're able to, to help a young person to find their way into into the working world, I guess. And, and as you say, it's about networking and, and, and who you know. Exactly, that doesn't cost anybody anything. It's free to students, it's free to um, industry experts. All, all we ask for is to make a little bit. And I think the, the amazing response we've had when it comes to industry experts is because, as you said, it doesn't, it's not much to give up. You know, one hour, a little bit of uh, registration and a one hour conversation, you know, anybody can do that. So, uh, um, yeah student perspective there's a little bit more work going to it but we know that this work is very valuable when it comes to your first step in, in your chosen career great stuff Matt I think we've covered everything there is to cover it's been a pleasure to speak to you we hope we get more people involved in a one hour project it sounds like a great project to be a part of 
So if you're listening to this and it sounds like one hour project is something that appeals to you, please get in contact with Matt on the email address that he's listed and on social media if you're on social media. Yeah, and we look forward to, to supporting you and, and hopefully helping you to, to, to be in touch with industry experts and, and young students alike. Thanks very much indeed for your time, Matt, and we'll, uh, we'll speak to you again very soon. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate your support. Thank you. Pleasure. Take care. Bye for now. So that was Matt Molina Pevers from the One Hour Project and an O's fan to boot as well. Fantastic charity. We are very proud to be partnering with them this season. So I think it's probably time now, Mr. Levy, to talk about the fortnight that was at Leighton Orient FC. I think we should. I think we should. We're going to cut straight to Tuesday the 11th of January, to Hue Tuesday as we call it. Turned out to be a bit of a busy day actually. Starting off the day, it was Dan Kemp's 23rd birthday. Yeah, happy birthday to Dan. And then the club announced plans for a new supporters group for the LGBTQ plus community. So the group is open to all fans as the club looked to build a community of people to help drive important initiatives within the club. Great yeah. to hear that. And well that's obviously got a lot of engagement between the club. But so proud that we've got a club that leading the way, first foot forward. Absolutely, yeah, brilliant. I should always be strengthening with uh, with with these uh, kind of groups. So, uh, Sam Sargent joined National League side Wildstone FC on a seven-day emergency loan, and he went straight into their starting lineup for their FA Cup game against Giant Killing Boreham. I don't Wood. think it was FA Cup. I think Boreham just beat sorry Wimbledon. It was in the league. Yeah. I beg your pardon. Yes, it was in their uh, sorry against FA Cup Giant Killers Boreham Wood. I beg your pardon. Uh, unfortunately, they lost that game 1 0, but there's no uh, no disgrace to Sam. Absolutely not. Good to see Sam out getting some game time. Now, I think you can only play for a maximum of two clubs this season. It must be different in the Three. National League. All right, so he's still not played for later on, but he's been in their squad. So, interesting to see what happens now with Sam. I think we're going to talk a bit about Sam a bit later on uh, in yeah. the podcast. So, in the evening on Tuesday, Chairman Nigel Travis and various stakeholders held a live QA on the club's YouTube channel based on the publication and findings of the Tracy Crouch review. So that's on the YouTube channel now. It's about 55 minutes. You've got Nigel Decent. on there, Danny Macklin, I think Nick Samarka was on there, John from the uh, Leighton Orient Fans Trust, who's John, been on the John, podcast. Uh, Joplin, yeah. yeah, many a time. Karen was on there. Good little watch that if you've not done so already. And they finished uh, the broadcast by saying there could be a few signings to come well Nigel said that got everyone very very excited <laughs> more to come on signings later in the podcast yeah yeah there's a lot to come on that uh, Wednesday the 12th of January then the club announced that our match this weekend or that weekend coming up uh, had been postponed against Oldham because they had Covid cases in their squad I just made a quick note saying it's good that they've given us more notice than they gave to Sutton and they called off all right for different reasons, but nonetheless, and interesting that their owner had also made a statement saying that he was selling up. So good luck to the Oldham fans. I hope you get your club back. Um, don't wish that on anybody having been through that ourselves. So good luck to the Oldham fans. And uh, yeah, I hope uh, good fortunes are not far away. Absolute tosh. There was no injuries at that club. They had a big protest planned, the first of its kind against the owner. Owner wanted none of it. Got it called off. Amen. Absolute. Yeah, nonsense. Nonsense. Hope. Yeah, like you said, the old fans get that guy out of their club ASAP. So let's move on in to... No, let's not move on. What's that happen on Wednesday? Just one more thing. Former Orient right-back, Miles Judd, signed for Dover Athletics. And Miles Judd, wish you well, mate. Had 
I still can't believe Mo Judd's career, the way it's gone, considering how good he was in that kind of relegation into the conference season. He was such a shining light in that season. And he can still only be, what, 21, 22 years old? He broke in so early. So yeah. hopefully he gets his career back on track, makes a success at Dover. Although my boss went to watch Dover yesterday because they were away to Solihull Moors. They were. They got absolutely trounced. Yeah, yeah. So and Miles Judd played. Hopefully Miles can better make Bit of a better impact. He was in 2016 EFL Young Player of the Year or Apprentice of the Year or something like that. that. It won't be unplayed. It's pinned to his uh, like Apprentice of the Year or something. So yeah, but that's what happens when you don't live the professional life and you think about the footballer world more than the professional footballer world. And I think that's I think that's pretty well documented and known. Uh, his antics aren't necessarily in line with being a professional athlete. So anyway, let's move on then. Thursday the 13th of January then at 5 o'clock, the club finally announced our first <laughs> signing of the transfer window. T- nearly two weeks into it, right back Dan Moss signed on loan with us for the rest of the season from Millwall. He signed us, he's joined us, as I say, from Millwall's Academy. He's been on loan at National League side Yeovil so far this season, so he has been playing. Yeah. He wanted to say, I'm buzzing to be here at Leighton Orient. It's all come about pretty quickly from when I was playing against South End for Yeovil. But I'm really excited to get going. I spoke about it to Mitchell a few times before I'd signed for the club. And he had nothing but good things to say. So it was a no-brainer for me to sign here in the end. Yeah, I mean, my views, obviously, you know, can't know about everybody. So uh, he's not someone that was on my radar at all. Um, So I'm not going to pretend to know everything about him just because I Google searched him. But I hope we have a game... Uh, to go to so that we can see him play is what I wrote at the time and I wish him every success in an Orient shirt yeah for me I mean same as you not a name that I'm aware of not that I know every footballer but not a name who I initially know but I think I've said the same about Aaron Drynan Harry Smith Theo Archibald so I'm not happy to give players players a chance but the Oval fans did seem to rate him very highly yeah spoke very highly of him it's interesting that the club article made a point about saying how highly versatile Moss is so while primarily he's a right back, they'd also say he can play also at centre back, although I think he's far too small and not bulky enough to play at centre back, but also can play in centre midfield. So I guess there's a few options there. So he ticks many, many boxes. So yeah, fair play. Obviously Nugent at Millwall. We know yeah, we've got a good relationship. Kenny Jacket and from with that club. Millwall. So yeah, although not one to set the world alight. Yeah, I would imagine. For your first signing of the transfer window. The obvious gap of not having a right back. So it makes sense, but wouldn't have set anyone buzzing to watch him go and play, I would say, if we're being honest. One Adam Conway tweeted us and said, let's hope the first of a few more, preferably with some pedigree to help push on to a playoff place. The squad is desperately thin and urgently needs reinforcements. Spot on. Yeah, so let's move on into Kenny Friday, the 14th of January, and we say a happy 29th birthday to Head of Media and Communications at the O's, Luke Lambourne. So we hope you had a great day, weekend, got the weekend off, or didn't have to go to Oldham, so maybe Luke's pulled a fast one now, so let's yeah. get this game called off to uh, the Oldham chairman. Unless he's had a night out in Manchester, <laughs> in which case that is scuppered. So the club put out a statement to confirm that Chairman Nigel Travis and CEO Danny Macklin have written to the EFL to seek further clarification on fixture postponements. The statement went on to add that they will be speaking to the EFL seeking a solution to this problem and we encourage them to look at what other sports have done around the world to avoid postponements, which is going to result in a huge fixture congestion later in the season. The statement finished by saying, we've also asked the EFL to investigate some of the cases involving our opponents 
where we have seen last-minute postponements, and we look forward to hearing what the EFL yeah. had to say about that. I don't think you're going to get much of anything back from them. I don't think they're going to investigate it. I think that the integrity of the game has gone to pot, and I don't think they care enough. Yeah, I agree with Personally. you. I guess we'll see what the club get back of that. If they shoulder shrug, isn't it? It's just a shoulder shrug. That's all they're going to do, shoulder shrug. Yeah. What can we do? I guess so. I guess so. Also on Kenny Friday the 14th, O's youth player Jack Tatanga, he joined Sutton Common Rovers on a work experience loan. So I know what you're thinking, who the hell are Sutton Common Rovers? Well, they are 15th in the league, which is pitching. So they have a partnership with the Isthmian Football League. So I don't even know what tier that is in. I can't even tell you what tier he's playing. Uh, I think it's like fifth or sixth. So National League, National League South, and then I think he's like three okay. below that. Good so luck, Jephthah, I would say. Work experience loans can end as soon as they start. So whether he plays yeah. a lot or ends up back in the youth team, we will see. Well, I think he trains with us and them. So he does whatever he's doing for his academy training, his learning. Yeah. I think he does that with us, maybe trains with them. Okay. Um, so yeah, good luck uh, to you there. So Saturday the 15th of January, the youth team were in action away to MK Dons. They took the lead in the 16th minute through Fish and went 2-0 up in the 43rd minute through an APAT header, which is net how the first half ended. Fish made it 3-0 with his second of the game in the 61st minute, and MK Dons got a consolation goal in the 87th minute as we ended up winning that game rather comfortably 3-1, so very yes. well done to the young O's. Yeah, that Fish is a new name. It's starting to pop up a few times yeah. now. We've talked about goals, so looks like the O's might have a little gem on their hands yeah. there. Great to see that. So even though the O's didn't play on Saturday the 15th, all other fixtures were played in League 2. One game got postponed. That was Oldham against Leighton Orient annoyingly. So it meant that the O's didn't play again and we slipped down to 12th place in the League 2 table. Now seven points from the playoffs, but importantly with games in hand to play. Absolutely. So let's move on, on to Sunday, the 16th of January. Very happy birthday to Orient director Matt Porter. Oh, happy birthday. Friend of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. We hope you had a great day. Also, the ladies' team were in action on the 16th. They're at home to Axtonians. They lost a game 7 0. So, not something that we've said often about the ladies' team. Comprehensively beaten. Unlucky to the ladies. Absolutely. Happy Monday, the 17th of January. The club announced that the recently postponed away game versus Oldham Athletic had been rearranged to be played on Tuesday, the 29th of March. Annoying now, because now they've got a new guy, manager in John Sheridan, I think for the sixth time in Oldham. Probably by that time, hopefully they're only sold up. So they'll be in a much, much better place than what they had they had been last when Saturday we played them, yeah. when we played them. And that's happened a few times, right, with Colchester. Obviously, we were supposed to play them on Boxing Day when they were plummeting Poor. down the table. Mm-hmm. Sack their manager and they go and beat Salford 3 0 yesterday. Yeah, it's going to be much Away. Away. <laughs> Ridiculous. Right, let's go on into Who Are You Tuesday, <laughs> 18th of January. We didn't play, but there were four fixtures played in League Two. And as a result, we dropped down another place to 13th place in League Two. Yeah, so Wednesday the 19th of January then, the club announced its second signing of the transfer window as versatile right-sided player and much-travelled 26-year-old Otis Khan joins us on an 18-month contract following the expiration of his short-term contract at Walsall. Otis tweeted that he was really excited and grateful for the opportunity to sign for for this wonderful club. Thanks to the manager for expressing his belief in me and I can't wait to repay him and all the fans through my hard work on the pitch. Let's do this. Yeah, so for me, I, pff, decent, but I think he's had a lot of clubs for someone of his age. He's been around right. quite a lot for someone who's only 
26. I mean, yeah. Tranmere and Walsall within the last year. This would be his third League 2 club within the last 12 months. So, I find that maybe a bit odd. Maybe a bit odd. But he's versatile. Good age. So, 26. Yeah. He's played enough right. games in League 2 to know what he's mm. doing. Good experience. Highlight rule was okay. Scored some decent goals for Tranmere and for Walsall. And he's a free. Ticks the boxes. No arguments for me on that one. I'm just a bit sceptical because he's been around at his fair amount of clubs and doesn't seem to have settled yeah. anywhere. And it's not like he's come back home to London to settle because he's not from London. I think that's quite obvious in his, his actions. But it looks like, oh, yeah. I guess if you can put your arm around him and motivate him and tell him he's a great player and play him in his right position, he could be, he could be decent. Obviously, we'll talk about his impact on the game yesterday. <laughs> but... Yeah. Yeah, again, not a bad signing. Not one that makes me think, well, we're aspiring to get out of this division hugely, mm. I would say, if I'm being honest. You know, a, a squad player from Warsaw who's played around their first team this season. I don't think he was a regular starter. He played a few games for them and scored a few goals. So, again, not bad. Good average League 2 player. Do I think he'll get us out of this league? No, probably not. But, again, I'd love to be proved wrong. So... My fingers are crossed that he can come back to make me, you know, bite my words. Yeah, he played 35 times for Tranmere last season uh, and he's played seven times for, uh, sorry, no he hasn't, he played uh, eight times, eight times for, for Walsall this season. So yeah, out of 20, 25 odd games, it's, it's, you're right, it's not a lot, but I do think there is quality in there. Yeah. So I'm, I for one, and I think on paper it's a good signing for us, but I do, the alarm bells, the fact that he's been around so much. Yeah, yeah. Ringing for me as well. Um, I think I, I hope he'll be the creative player we so desperately need, and I think it's always a good thing when fans of the club he's just left are upset yeah. that he's left. Um, I think Walsall wanted to keep him as well, but I think obviously the law of coming to London maybe was just probably that, that little bit too much. Maybe Kenny Jacket was the was the yeah. pull as well. Maybe he's got a better contract with us than what Walsall were able to so. offer. So there's probably a few boxes that I mentioned couple of weeks ago when we were talking about transfers that probably ticked for him to come to London yeah. rather than stay in It did sound like Birmingham. his interview that Kenny had sold him as a right wing back which I'm not sure yeah. is his position although he can play there I don't think if you looked him up on football manager I would say he's a right wing back I would say I, feel, I imagine say he's a right midfielder but he's capable of playing in that position Yeah, but you know, let's see let's see how he gets on hopefully I he spoke does a job. to the chap that runs um, Vital Walsall the Vital Walsall yeah. account and he said he's good at set pieces and can play in a lot of positions um, and not really the guy that's going to be um, wouldn't suit a midfield three maybe a creative player in a three so perhaps sit behind um, but like you said, he keeps playing. He keeps talking. He kept talking about playing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So should be interesting. Yeah, should be interesting to see where he fits in that Kenny's jigsaw. We wish him well. Yeah. at the O's. So Thursday, the twentieth of January, we say happy sixteenth birthday to young O Emmanuel Kouachi. Yep, absolutely. Happy birthday to you, t- uh, to you, Emmanuel. The club announced that Craig Clay will be out for the rest of the season after having surgery to sort a knee problem out. Not exactly sure what's happened, but I think uh, possibly uh, something to do with his knee, a ligament in his knee, um, to be op- was operated on on Thursday morning. Um, uh, yeah, shocked, shocked and disappointed by this. Um, he's having arguably his best season yeah. since we've been in the football league. It's a huge blow for him. I think he'll probably be really distraught by it, um, and it's a huge blow for us. We could really do with him. Um, 
because of the performances he's been putting in. So wish him a speedy recovery. I, I suspect we probably won't see him back this season, but if we do, that'd be great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, big blow, been on great form, especially around November and December. Arguably our second best player this season, I'd say behind James, and now they're both on the treatment table. Archibald's probably third in terms of creativity. He's on the treatment table. But I will say, big opportunity now for Prattley and Hector to cement that place. Because obviously Clay, when you play two in a central midfield, Clay is the first name on the team sheet around that area. So then you've got Hector and Prattley now fighting to partner him, go alongside him. So there's a big opportunity there for those two. But yeah, just a bit typical of the way this season is kind of starting to pan out. Yeah, really enjoying crucial players. We had a lot of feedback on our Twitter accounts and social media accounts for this. Dan Alton two five nine zero said missing our two players of the season to date in James and Clay. For the rest of the campaign, others now need to step up and fill the humongous void left by those two. Uh, opportunity for others. The Clay news has dampened my enthusiasm a little bit. Yeah, Richie J. Bourne said, Craig Clay is many times the unsung hero. His influence in midfield is going to be a massive loss. With Kipriano and Prattley left, it's a worry. Big, big loss. Yeah, and finally, Wadsey said, gutted for you, Craig. You really upped your game this season and have been one of our most consistent and best performers. Speedy recovery and look forward to seeing you play again next season. Take care. Yeah, so really bad news in. So moving on into Kenny Friday, the 21st of January. It's quite a day at the club. No news to report. So we move on to uh, to Saturday, the 22nd of January. The Young O's were in action at home to Northampton Town, kicking off at half past 11. And Orient took the lead in the 15th minute through Davies after some good work by Pegram and Sodji. In the build-up, Northampton equalised in the 40th minute though, and despite the O's giving it a good go in the second half, that is how the score remained at full time. So well done to the young O's who had lost the reverse fixture earlier in the season, 3-1. That is a significant improvement, so well done. Yeah, well done, young O's. Also on Saturday, the main event, which was Port Vale at home, the return of football which we've all been missing terribly. And as always, before the game, we ran a Twitter poll to find out how you thought the O's would get on in this one. We had 213 votes in 24 hours, and you voted with 23% thinking the O's would lose, 25% thinking the game would end in a draw, and a massive 52% <laughs> thinking the O's would win. And as always, thank you for all your votes. 213 in 24 hours isn't bad, isn't bad at all. No, that's good. Um, so at 2 o'clock, the club announced the first starting eleven for the league of 2022 with Lawrence Vigoureux in goal, Dan Moss, Alex Mitchell, Omar Beckel, Shad Ogie and Connor Wood, Hector Kipriano, Darren Prattley, um, Paul Smith, Aaron Drynan and Harry Smith were in the starting 11 subs for this one with Sergeant Happy, Thompson, Khan, Young, Kemp and Satirio. Yeah, that meant there was only one change to the team that lost in the FA Cup to Stoke as Dan Moss came in for his debut, he replaced the injured Craig Clay with our latest signing, Otis Khan, being named on the bench. Your views, Bearded Lejande? Yeah, I mean, pretty much as expected. It was yeah. either for me going to be Moss or Khan yeah. uh, in that right wing back role. Uh, I was hoping Khan would start, uh, be interesting to see how Moss does, and uh, Dan Moss making his Football League debut as yeah. well. So. Uh, that was good um, but yeah I think otherwise if you expected something drastically different to that uh, yeah, you were really mistaken yeah yeah, expected team uh, interesting Sergeant's back on the bench good point yeah. so Sergeant back on the bench was obviously training out with the guys I made a note so I need to get this lot early spot on need to get them early first game back you would have thought they would have been absolutely raring to go 
but however obviously not Len Chin Chin <laughs> one tweeted us his views once that tweet had come out he said the new additions to the team should make a difference but the strikers must be more clinical in front of goal no more missed chances minimal corners to Port Vale we'll see how we manage without Craig Clay but we'll need a positive free-flowing game against a very good side Fintau with 73 said far too defensive make that only three attacking players as the wing-backs are better defensively and also Jacket can stick with the usual formation Fair very point. good very good point there from Vince obviously has a choice out of Moss and Khan Khan's more of a much more attacking player Moss will do the defensive work nicely from what we've seen but I don't yeah. think he'll it'll get you up pitch quickly is what you want so good spot there from Vince but, it's like Vince he's almost right. saw the future yeah, he's right. You know, with Tom James, he was probably arguably a bit more attack-minded, yeah, as is obviously Theo Archibald. And you've literally, he's right, you've replaced them with two more defensive-minded minded people. Um, so, before kick-off, there was a minute's applause for Orient and Port Vale fans who had passed away last year. Uh, and then Port Vale got the game underway on a chilly afternoon in E10. Yeah, nice touch there from the club to do that. Very surprised. Really cool. First effort and goal for the O's came in the third minute as an Alex Mitchell ball fan, Harry Smith, who guided <coughs> his head a goal bound, but Stone made a comfortable catch, which I think goes down as one of the two efforts on target if you look at the BBC website, although I can't remember that being on target whatsoever. Yeah, 13 minutes on the clock. An unbelievable run from Aaron Drynan from well inside his own half saw him drive forward and shoot just over the bar. I think they actually went higher than I realised. Good run, though. Making making his own luck there. I mean, yeah. you know, 13 minutes gone, nothing to talk about. Just felt a bit flat. The players, as opposed to coming out um, all guns blazing, it just looked really lethargic really yeah, early yeah. on. And you're like, guys, Nervous. guys, you've not played a league game since the 18th of December. You've played Stoke away, where you've done really well. Why so slow? Mm. Why so, like, what... Scared of Port Vale? Not sure what you're doing. Like it's the same formation you've been playing now for the last three or four months. This should be like bread and butter to you. And practicing for the last six weeks since we last had a game. Should be bread and butter. So yeah. it was a really disappointing start, but a good a good run there from driving, trying to make things happen. 18th minute, nice play between Daniel Moss and Aaron Dryden in the corner. Saw the ball come to Paul Smith in the Val box. Slightly tight angle. Smith took on the shot, hit the side netting. Following a decent cross there from Moss, but never troubling the keeper. Yeah, nice little one-two uh, between the two of them there. Brief stop in play for a fox running onto the pitch. Now, <laughs> I only saw it as it ran down the side of the Papa John's dugout, um, the third the third dugout. I never saw it actually had come from the southeast corner of the of the stadium and kind of ran all the way the full length of the pitch. I think I'd fallen asleep, to be honest. I don't remember <laughs> seeing the fox. I've just seen pictures of you it. You didn't see it at all, did there. you? No, yeah. I, was, I, I think I was in dreamland. Uh so a minute later, Vigarou made a very easy stop. First save in the 20th minute as the ball basically rolled into his hand. Yeah, fast forward then to the 37th minute and penalty shouts from the crowd as Paul Smith appeared to have been fouled inside the foul box, off the ball, but the referee wasn't interested. There's a few tweets about this one post-match and I'm not, it obviously wasn't on the highlights and we were in the south and it's happened towards the north. So I've got no idea. I mean, the shouts were pretty loud. And there were a few tweets saying it was a blatant penalty, mm. but obviously it doesn't get given. Quite like to see that one again, just to see what so what happened. Obviously, Maybe Smith does go down quite a lot. Easy. He's going to, isn't he? A number he? of times. But yeah, that's what he's there for, essentially. So maybe the quite like to see that one back. Yeah, maybe closer look will we'll pick up on yeah, that. Yeah, good point. Yeah, be interested to watch that. Good point there. 41st minute. Vigoury released the ball early. Eventually, Paul Smith drove a goal. He was fouled by Garrett. Good run there for Paul Smith. It was mm. all... 
it wasn't like we were playing like good balls and good possession of football. It was individual moments of good work, like driving and earlier, Smith like picking up the ball and really driving at someone. He won a free kick. Gary got a yellow card. His free kick was all right from Paul Smith, just over the bar. Again, didn't hit the target. Comfortable for the keeper. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, two minutes of additional time were played in the first half. Nothing further to report as an uneventful 45 minutes came to a, f- a close, thankfully. <laughs> Attendance announced that 5,761 of 644 away fans making the journey. Not bad. We had a few tweets at half-time. Ian David, one, two, three, four. said an unentertaining first half. It's almost like the first game of the season. Matt Sharpness appears to be missing. Too many long balls and a lack of controlled passing. Great defending, though. Yeah, Les LK52 said, Not a single shot on target. We offer no threat at all. Need a good winger to provide crosses for the front two. Not played in five weeks, and boy, does it show. I guess that's what, ha- that's what happens when you're missing James and Archibald, two wing backs, so we get you up the pitch and get that service. Yeah. In. Whereas that isn't, I don't think that's Moss's game to play that position. Or Woods. Or Woods, although they're good defenders, they're not, they're not those players who will get you into attacking positions and putting yeah. those first line crosses that we've seen James and Archibald do so so effectively that Smith in particular thrives on which means that Smith's having to come deeper to get the ball so is Dryan and so is Paul Smith mm. it becomes a much harder game to play and mm. to create chances hence we haven't mm. essentially so second half no changes for the O's at half time Paul Smith got the second half underway and five minutes in Alex Mitchell picked up a yellow card for a foul just outside the box. Double substitution on the hour mark as debutant Dan Moss made way for another debutant, Otis Khan, and Hector Kipriani made way for Matt Young. I think the crowd were a bit lifted by that. It was like, right, come on, he's making subs now. But I think the, the thing was, it was just like for likes. Didn't 100%. Really At that point, you're thinking, Paul Val are going to be happy with a point here. They're defending quite well. Second choice we're keeper. Not, we're not really doing anything to put them under pressure. Why don't you go and change the formation? But it was absolutely... Like for like, I mean, it's fair to say, I think I think Moss done okay, given it was his yeah. first league game. A couple of solid tackles. Hector, a bit weak at points, didn't really do much. I wouldn't say it was Hector's finest hour, but then I wouldn't say it was Prattley's finest hour either. I think we've got a lot of tweets about uh, Prattley's performance that we'll talk about after. 65 minutes in, Port Vale had their first shot at goal in this half, but a move strike was weak, and again, easily held by Viggs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Shad Ogie went into the book in the 69th minute for a late tackle on Ben Garrity. And three minutes later, Connor Wood went into the book for a foul as well. So getting a bit frustrated, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I my Beckles got a yellow card in the 79th minute following a fiery crash, a crash in the middle of the pitch. as a cynical challenge from Walker, brought down Paul Smith. Both sets of players got involved. Beckel said in the, his post-match mm. interview, he went over to see what was going on and was like getting a booking for getting pushed. Meanwhile, but, the player that shoved him didn't get a booking at all. Yeah, so. yeah. Always going to happen though in, in, in yeah. League 2 level, level refereeing. And believe it or not, we're now fast-forwarded. Like we're literally at the end of the game now. It's the 89th minute, final sub of the game. Paul Smith, who was feeling his hamstrings, uh, were, were getting a bit tight. He was replaced by Dan Kemp. Yeah. You see him stretching them out, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. Five minutes of added time and up on the board. We got a corner, all optimistic that something was going to happen. Absolutely nothing happened. Nothing worth mentioning. And the referee put us all out of our misery as he brought the game to an end following a drag 90 minutes. That finished goal is welcome back. 
Leighton Orient 20. Bring me down. 22. Like with a bump. <laughs> Unbelievable. We were all like, all hyped for this. All really, like I was in the coach on horses beforehand. Everyone was like really excited. Good to be back. Good to be in the root, your, your, your match day routines. Going to the pub, seeing your mates, chatting football. Excitement because we're in a transfer window. Excitement because we haven't seen them play for weeks. Like everything was set up. And then we watch that. <laughs> it's just absolutely shocking. Um, but in uh, yeah, we're not going to play Kenny Jackett's um, post-match interview. It's it's seven minutes long. It is on the club's YouTube channel. Um, over fifteen hundred people have watched it already and listened to it. So there, there's you know no point in us um, doing that. But in fairness, then he doesn't shy away from answering the questions. And and Dave Victor's questions are really good, really direct questions. You know, we weren't good enough, we weren't creative enough, we didn't supply the forwards, we're not competitive enough in midfield. He has to take responsibility for that because that's partly down to his setting up of the team. He doesn't hang players out to dry, which is fine and fair, I've got no problem with that. And when Dave asked him about what positions he wants to further strengthen in, he kind of gave a politician's answer for that and said something but didn't actually answer the question. But... He knows we need to do better. He knows we need to do better, to oh. be better. And, if, and that's just to be in, in, in chance, not of automatics, but just getting to the, promotion, uh, to the playoff places. So it's a lot of work to do, but he has to take responsibility that his tactics are not working. Because, I'm sorry, but I know they're technically two, go, two, two shots on target, but they're, they're not what you class as goals, real goal-scoring chances. So for me, there's an, I know these aren't my views now, but we're just not creating I think, anything. I think he he couldn't have come out and said anything other than what he said. Yeah, I agree. He just would have lost all his credibility. So said the right things, but then he said the right things on Thursday in his post-match. So talk really, until you're on that pitch, talk doesn't really mean anything. I guess mm. we'll see what happens on Tuesday but some decent questions there from Dave like Paul said that is on the YouTube channel so that draw meant the O's stay in 13th place in League 2 so we've currently played 23 only won 7 so when you look at it like that you're like we've only won 7 out of 23 that's rubbish you go you look at the drawing drawing 11 out of 23 you go okay that's not bad losing 5 out of 23 that's really good but then mm. it's turning those D's into W's and it 32 points still have a phenomenal goal difference of plus 16 that goal difference is much much better than all of the teams around us so they now just need to start winning games. So, Mr. Levy, I don't think it's going to be pretty, but let's have your views no, on the Port Vale game. It, it, no, it, it most certainly won't be pretty, and I'm afraid it's, it's going to be a bit of a rant uh, for me, to be honest with you. Um, what an anti-climax, as I said earlier. Um, what a come down that terrible performance has caused. I, I was really excited about going back, but that, that game just sort of killed it, really. Only two shots on target, and, and as I say, can only really recall one proper one. Their keeper's literally probably able to just put his keeper's kit back in his back in the, the, the bag and wear it for the next time. <laughs> I don't even think it needs a wash. Not enough creativity. Paul Smith tried. He huffed and puffed a bit. Aaron Drynan tried. They both worked hard, but just didn't come up with anything for us. Is Harry Smith not substitute? Like, I don't think he was the worst player on the pitch, but is he not substitutable? If not, why not? What has Ruel got to do to get a game? When you need someone who's a bit more direct, who's a bit more greedy, selfish, whatever you want to call it, head down, looks to get his shots on target, test the keeper, why aren't we bringing Ruel on with, with 10, 15, 20 minutes to go when it's not working, the long ball, the long hoof ball's up? Why don't we, as you said earlier, try something slightly different? And why bring Dan Kemp on in the 89th minute? 
give the guy more time, another substitution that our very experienced manager has made that's, that's absolutely baffled me. You're not going to try and run the clock down in the 89th minute when you're at home. It's ridiculous. Um, when clearly the formation isn't having the desired effect, why aren't we changing it? Why are we making like-for-like substitutions? Why isn't there a plan B? There, there, there's nothing. There's no input. There's no impetus. We should be trying different things and, and, and shaking it up a bit. It's so frustrating. And for those that think Kenny Jackett's the Messiah that we've been waiting for, I, I really don't believe he is. We've won seven games all season. All season out of 23. Like, this is the halfway point. We've only won seven games. Granted, we've only lost five, yeah. but that's not the litmus test here because teams don't go up winning few games and drawing all of their games. Uh, there's no plan B. We've been sussed out. Players, Teams put players behind the ball and it really just doesn't work and we don't seem to have an answer for that and, and you know teams that want to come and play free-flowing football like your Swindons for example perfect we catch them on the counter we, we tear them apart 4-1 other teams like Crawley for example Port Vale Crawley we lose 2-1 to and, and Port Vale uh, who have played and lost their last four games come and, come and that, we help them out by giving them a confidence boost and, and giving them a point to go back up north with it's ridiculous um, also, seeing a lot of fans saying that that was to be expected after not playing for a few weeks, I'd say fair enough. But actually, that's not a one-off performance. We've seen that type of performance in at least half a dozen other games. And in other games, we've, we've drawn 11 of our games. So it, it's not a one-off. We said earlier, you know, we were really expecting them to come out the blocks roaring and really getting in Port Vale's yeah. faces. They just didn't do that. It was really limp. Um, and mid-table is probably where we'll end up if if the way that we're set up doesn't change or we don't get the players in that are going to really thrive in the in the way that he wants to, to set us up. Um, two highlights. The Fox <laughs> and the argy-bargy after Smith got fouled. So good to see some passion from the team as well, all sticking up for each other. And, you know, we've got to go out against Newport now and, and prove myself and the think like this and, and others wrong. It's, it's now a massive game. Every game is massive now if we're to, to push up because if we don't win our games in hand, then it's all, it's all nonsense. Yeah, I think for me, it's a game that won't live long in my memory. Certainly not. And I think at some point, if we are going to go for it, if you are going to go up, you've got to be brave and you've got to take chances and you've got to attack teams at home. So it's all right saying... You know, it's a clean sheet and that's a positive, but you didn't create anything, so we didn't really do anything. No plan B. I think everyone could see it wasn't working. I think from early in the second half, it was evident if we weren't going to change up anything, nothing was going to happen. And we didn't change it, which was disappointing. Mm -hmm. uh, and surely, if we can see that, and everyone who sits around us can see that, and everyone who tweets us can see that, surely Kenny Jacket and Joe Gannon can see that. So, disappointed mm -hmm. that they didn't decide to change it. And I think Kenny, he's got to do more, got to inspire more. Um, but there was no inspiration out of that pitch it was just flat it was just really flat apart from driving zone run in the first eight minute and Paul Smith having a few runs no one done anything of note really can't try to do a few little bits here and there but never got going really not one shot on target I mean how does that happen I think we've, we've slated managers in the past for not doing that I think it would be unfair not to, to slate Kenny for that 100%. we were sloppy in possession aimless long balls no creativity no chemistry just very, very disappointing, Warner, wasn't it? Like, no one really. Who's looking forward to Tuesday now? I'm not. No. Got Newport. Just killed my buzz for it. Got Newport coming who, who are in good form. Yeah. 
But I think, you know, I can speak about Newport a bit later, they'll come and play football, but they won't sit back at us. They're in good enough form that they'll come and go, right, we can turn this over if we attack them. So it'd be interesting. But yeah, really flat. Started off flatly, didn't get any better. No service up to the front three. Midfield central pairing of Prattley and Kiprianu. And then Prattley, uh, young, wasn't very good. Wingbacks couldn't get forward. We didn't do anything. Boring. I've got to say, Darren Prattley has been the most disappointing signing that I've I've seen in quite some time. I don't know if it's just maybe he's not quite there, maybe he's not quite up to that level. Um, you know, we're talking about a guy who's played championship football in the in in the last two seasons, League One football last season, and 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 here he is now. He should be set. He should be bossing. Yeah. A la Wes Houlihan, who's thirty nine years old, so he's a bit older, slightly different position. Don't get me wrong, but you would expect the midfield him to be that midfield general. Well, quote, is that what we his, his influence on the pitch is like zero? It's literally got nothing. His influence would be much higher than what he Hector, is. Hector's probably coaching him how to be a better player. Like, how does that work? Yeah. I don't know, it's not actually happening, but it, it's, Hector's like, should be learning off this guy. And he's not, he's not teaching him anything, he's teaching him how to be a terrible footballer, if that's the case. <laughs> he's absolutely appalling. He, that, that pass that he made, that, where he kicked it out, I was like, what, why did you think that that was, like, in your head, like, your thought process? Terribly frustrating. It's so disappointing, because I had such high expectations for him as well. Yeah. Um, so those were our um, disappointed views <laughs> uh, we had an awful lot of views our phones were buzzing last night with all the views that were coming in so thanks to everybody who sent their views into our social media accounts which as you probably know by now are sponsored by town and country estate agents who are Orient supporting and highly successful estate agents uh, West End season ticket holder one of the directors Charlie Paul is offering all Leighton Orient fans and staff a whopping 20% of his amazing. usual fees to sell your property. So if you're thinking of moving, keep it in the Orient family, save yourself a few quid, give Charlie a call directly. His number is 07528 471 497 or you can email him charlie at townandcountrypropertysales.co.uk or you can drop him a DM on Twitter, Charlie, C-H-A-R-L-I-E underscore Paul, P-O-O-L-E. That's how you can yeah. get in touch with him. Nicely done. So let's kick off the fuse with Ross McCaffrey. So we look very leggy, which is understandable. Not a bad point, all things considered. I'm not sold on Prattley and Kiprianu. Both were poor. Bright spots, though, with Paul Smith continuing to look a good player. And Otis Khan looked bright when he came on. And if they're serious about a playoff push, we badly need to strengthen. At least four needed on the strength of numbers alone. Yeah, dear Stu said, looked like a team that hadn't played games over the last few weeks, bar the cup game. We'll probably take a couple of games to get up to match fitness. Impressive from Moss and Khan. It's clear for all to see that we desperately need centre midfielders. Bring on Newport. Yeah, a bit of a theme there with central midfielders. A lot of people were disappointed. Casey Adams, LOFC. So not one shot on target. That's a two you can't get a sniff. Only positive was the Millwall right back Moss. He was class defending and going forward. Mm. I'm not sure what the tactics were. Prattley was about five yards behind anyone else on the pitch. He really was awful. And the thing is, you can see he was trying. just isn't very good anymore. Fair enough. Yeah, SR Barber 86 said, Such a flat performance. Obviously a bit rusty, but still the same as before. We need something extra in the centre of midfield. Plus, I hope Smith is not injured again. Uh, that's Paul Smith. Uh, not sure we have what it takes to climb the league, but at least we have time on our side. I, I said earlier, like, I don't think it's rusty. Kenny Jackett set the team up and has used these tactics in about 19 or 20 games now. This isn't the first draw we've had, and it's also not the first 
first game that we've had where we haven't really had a shot on target. So for me, I think there's a massive tactics issue here. And also, Kenny Jackett said in one of his um, interviews on, on the club, one of the pre-game interviews about, you know, we haven't had games, so you know, how do you keep the players sharp? Well, they have a phase of, of training where yeah. they keep them sharp. They build up to a game, and until the game gets called off, they're, they're building up that match sharpness. Obviously, a game gives them that match sharpness. Don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not an idiot to, to know that doesn't happen, but I don't think there is that rustiness. I, I, I don't. I just These are the same tactics that we've seen time and time and time again where it doesn't really yield anything, and it's really boring to watch. Yeah. Yeah, after this at the moment, Samuel LOFC ninety seven. So we are so hot or so cold, can't grind out a result against a bang average team. The wing backs, if we persist with this, have to be higher up the pitch with no width at all. And as for central midfield, what can I say about that? Prattley is dreadful. Graham G one four eight four three nine five two has gone a bit stato on us here. He said we've gone totally off the rails in the season twenty twenty one. Sorry, in the season twenty twenty. 21, we played 23 games. At that point, we'd got 36 points. In this current season, we've all, at the 23 game point, we've got four points less. This must have, this season, we have fans behind us too. We must have an experienced manager. Cambridge didn't need one. Yeah, Gorillas, 1985. So we've had five weeks with no league game. How have we not thought to play with a plan B? Kemp comes on with five minutes to play as the two sits on the bench. We need to win games, not draw. Dare I say it? Kenny is under some pressure if we don't win Tuesday. I mean, I don't think Kenny's. I don't think they'll be thinking Kenny's under pressure. But I think the rest of his points are completely valid. How can you have a plan B? Mm. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Like, just like swap said, out one why, why, why have Kempo in the 89th minute? What's yeah. he going to do for you in the 89th minute? Yeah, Nothing. with five minutes of injury time. And I think he only came on because Paul Smith could barely walk. Correct. If Paul Smith had he been fine, you wouldn't have seen Kemp come on. Agree. Ryan Peanuts has got to say Kenny Jacket is very uninspiring. He doesn't change the shape, changes like for like, but saying that we need about five, but saying that we need about five signings. Mid table again for us, Hector and Prattley were terrible. Record blew out, so it's a complete non event. Neither team looked like scoring if they had played until tomorrow evening. Clear we don't have enough creativity in central midfield. But not sure who we can get without spending money. The draw was a fair result. John W999 said a key issue seems to be our inability to grind out a win on days like today when the performance level is below where it should be. Teams in the top three will do this, but I can't think of a single win this season where that's been the case. It's costing us dearly. Yeah, LOFC underscore Ed. So, well, that was fun. Not. Draft play, wayward passing and no threat. Prattley, absolutely useless again and must go. But on the plus side, Otis Khan looked okay and Smith done near enough 90 minutes again. Still rubbish though. <laughs> yeah, Steve Jones, PA, said central midfield is a seriously worrying area for us at the moment. We don't look capable of dictating the play. Fine playing at Stoke on the counter, not fine playing an incredibly average injury hit team at home. Need to bring some quality in there or we're going nowhere. Good point. There's times to play 5 2 3. When you wait at Stoke, who are going to have the ball and you try and counter attack him, that's fine. But when you're at home against a team around you, is it the right formation to play? Mm. You know? Empty boots, so they're uninspiring. Seems to be no game plan. They just hoofed it forward and hoped that no was there to receive the ball. Yeah, Gold931 said, Poor performance, didn't offer anything. New players were needed and time has been wasted as we've had 22 days to bring them in. Midfielders and a forward needed ASAP or this season is a write-off. Yeah, good point there about waiting long. We're going to speak about transfers after uh, the views shortly. Stroud Green O, so the die game to watch. But I didn't really expect us to be free-flowing after such a lack of game time. Can't overlook missing key players like James, Theo and Clay. Overall point is satisfactory for me. 
in the circumstances. That is a good point. You're missing, ultimately, James, who has been your assist king and getting you up the pitch on the right-hand side. Theo, who's pretty much been doing the same from the left. So that's why you know your wing-backs aren't getting forward. And Craig Clay, who's been holding that two together. So on the flip side, you can say, well, he's got his three best players missing. Yeah. However, that doesn't kind of say that you can't change anything or change your formation if those three are out to try and get a better shape into your team. But, Correct. You know, that, that's, that is a different way of looking at it by saying those three players are out who have been yeah. so good this season. But then you adapt because you've yeah, got absolutely. Good, yeah, because yeah. we've got a smaller squad but a higher quality squad. Yeah. So Evie Stark said, I'd like to know why Sitoriu didn't uh, come on. You could see Smith was struggling when he was stretching the stubbornness by Jacket to play Drynan and Smith the full 90 isn't going to work with two matches a week. What has he got against Ruel? Could have used his pace. Agree. Yeah, a lot of people had had the same same view of their bats too. You're not getting yeah. on the pitch. Yeah, Daniel underscore D44 said, you know it's a bad game when the most exciting thing that happens is a fox running on the pitch and a flock of parakeets flying overhead. Kind of thing I can say is that two similar teams cancelled each other out. Very frustrating though that Ruel is still not getting a look in. Kyle Fear 01 said, first game for a while, looked very rusty. Hopefully, we'll see improvement on Tuesday in terms of decision-making while on the ball and execution-wise. The positive of today was the fight in quite a few of the players, especially Smith, defo man of the match, but just lacking the quality. Yeah, good point. MS Orient, if you're not going to give Raw some game time, he really needs to go out on loan or move on to Pastures New. We're crying out for a decent third-choice striker to challenge Drynan and Smith. But the same at this day, Smith had nothing to feed off. There's nothing into him. Drynan's only one effort was him running from the halfway line to get mm-hmm. an effort and go. Like, you've got to help him out a little bit. They're not going to get goals out of nothing. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and even when Smith did win the odd flick on, there was no one there to pick it up. Yeah. Ben D. Bollard said, defensively solid and we never looked like scoring. Um, sorry, we never looked like losing. Lawrence had a quiet afternoon. Uh, however, we were lacking in creativity and that needs addressing if we want to push for the playoffs. But I'm not too disappointed. We were always going to be short of match sharpness. A new Twitter handle for us, I think, Swash Security. It's been following the O since 1974 through good times and bad times. And I think today was one of the worst performances I've seen. Please don't say it's because we haven't played for a long time. These guys are professional footballers on expensive wages onwards and upwards. Yeah, Paul Skinner, 80. Yeah, welcome to the podcast, Swash Security. Uh, Paul Skinner, 88, said, We've got no midfield and no one who can get crosses into the box. Khan looks all right. Defence did everything they needed to do. Which was the only real positive. Yeah, we haven't really mentioned Beckles. Well, that takes the rusty. Shad that takes the rustiness excuse out of the way. If they're rusty, they would have conceded three goals. Defensively, they're fine. Yeah, really solid. Yeah, really good. Yeah, Orient Fan TV said that performance showed how poor our midfield is without Clay in there. Reinforcements needed definitely. Thought they were poor and were there for the taking. Performance was nowhere near good enough. If we want to get in the top seven, we've got ten days left in the window to get players in. Janine Adaman said, just so disappointing after waiting so long to see a live game at home. I hate hoofball. Even if we have no midfield, got to be better. Today's performance determines whether Mansfield is worth a visit. Yeah, if that means Tuesday's performance, yeah, she'll be there. She'll go to Sorry, Mansfield. Tuesday's performance de- determines whether Mansfield is worth a visit. Yeah, yeah. Ian Hutchison, 0-8. It's a shocking game right from the start. We lacked match sharpness and it was evident we had not played in a few weeks. Our tactics are becoming very much predictable and easy to defend. We never seem to change things up and really go for it. On to Tuesday, under the lights. I mean, stone for Port Bell. We'll never keep an easy clean sheet in that. Didn't have to do anything. Mm. Like, literally nothing. Few yeah. Free kick went over his bar and a giant shot went over his bar. I could yeah. have kept a clean sheet yesterday. Yeah, I, yeah one of us. <laughs> of us could have. Millar President said, a woeful first half 
followed by a turgid second, a lack of midfield creativity and flair, which baffles me as we have the squad. Look no nearer getting to the playoffs than we did this time last year with a much better squad. An experienced manager? Question mark. Bootsy said that was dreadful, boring and uninspiring. I appreciate we haven't played league game for a while, but surely there should have been some tempo and urgency. It's just so flat. Kenny has to take responsibility for that performance, but the positive was Carl looked good when he came on. Yeah, Bogstolux1 said, Dreadful game, two poor sides. We have needed a central mid a central mid for ages. With Clay out now, we need two. We've had six weeks to get this sorted. Season is drifting away. Our ball retention and passing are appalling. Rich Denham said, Shaky start for Moss, but he grew into the game. Heck, that was way too slow to every ball. Smith did nothing. I think he means Harry Smith there. The long ball clearly wasn't working. And Kenny did not change it. Very frustrating. Rayleigh Dave on a similar sort of vibe saying, playing five across the back at home with no natural wing backs was poor from Kenny Jacket. It was overly defensive, like what Vince said um, at the uh, two o'clock tweet. Uh, overly defensive and left our two midfielders outnumbered and meant we relied on long, hopeful punts upfield. Beginning to lose faith in Kenny Jacket. His assessment of the tactics there is spot on. Is overly defensive. So, yeah, while we kept the clean sheet, we've done absolutely nothing up front. It's like we had seven defensive players, yeah, plus Lawrence, eight defensive players, yeah. yeah. S. Leela, 1990, said the O's never tried to play any football today. Hoofed or headed all game, really poor. KJ needs to sharpen up. Simply a red, said really miss James Clay and Archibald, but every other team at this stage of the season are missing two or three key players. It will boil down to who has the best squad and a decent January signings. Plenty of points to play for yet. Yeah, well, I guess I said solid defensively, but too rigid going forward, which must be message from Kenny Jacket. We go long from Viggs every time. Never do a quick free kick or a short throw in the final third. All too predictable. Balls up to Harry Smith for aimless. I'd love to know what they've been doing in training all this time. Good tweet. Les LK52 gets the penultimate word this week. He said, no shots on target. Unacceptable. Also, Wing-backs barely crossed the halfway line, which means the front players were getting no service. Hence the long ball every time. It's not working and we need some creativity in midfield. Finally, Young should never be on the pitch before Kemp. And where's Riley? Yeah. I think he's a week or so out, isn't he? A couple he was, of weeks he out. done a presentation. He was there yesterday because he was he done did, a presentation yeah. for the trust. He so, was yeah. Vigo before as well. Was he? He was. I hope you had a nice meal there. He uh, always, that's his, literally <laughs> his home. <laughs> Final word, this one goes to Chris Kelsey. So I think one game in 35 days showed and how much Clay's Archibald and James are missed. The one positive was Otis Khan, who looked decent when he came on, and another was Paul Smith getting another nearly 90 minutes. Massive overreaction by many fans. So that was lots and lots of tweets. That was there. a lot, but to lots of fair, variety. So yeah, there's quite a lot of still positive. So well, they played in a while, Paul Bell, take the point. Others saying not good enough. Others saying, what's Kenny doing? Others saying, well, I said to you. Yeah, good points there. All well made. And let us know if you agree or disagree with any of those tweets that we've read out. You can let us know by tweeting us at Orient Outlook where all those tweets came into. Still baffles me how many tweets we get after a game or Does before a game. Hunt like hundreds. Amazing. Yeah. Or you can email us at Orient Outlook at Outlook.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Orient Outlook Podcast. Or you can find us on Instagram at Orient underscore Outlook underscore podcast yeah so let's move on then to the Carol Langley Florist Prediction League update sponsors Carol Langley are an established local business in Chingford East London specialising in bespoke flowers for all occasions and events from a simple thank you to a lavish wedding or event they can help get in touch with John and the team they're Carol Langley E4 that's C-A-R-O-L-E 
Langley, L-A-N-G-L-E-Y-E-4, or John's at EssexBiz, B-I-Z, on Twitter. So well done to London Gary W and Rich P242, who correctly predicted the nil-nil result and get the maximum available points, which is three. So that means the top of the prediction league is still Nino underscore Barone at the top with 18. Leighton, Ori and Parksy, 18-81. Good to see you in the pub yesterday, Adam. There both of them on 16 points. LOFC Teresa, nice to see you as well. And Steve Chaplin, four, all on, or both on 12 points. So thanks to everybody uh, who took the time to tweet us their predictions. Yeah, so let's move on to, to today. No match for the ladies' team. Their game against Hounslow Women, the development in the Sue Sharples Cup, was postponed as Hounslow informed the club that they were unable to fulfil the fixture. So before we wrap up this bad boy, I think it's probably time for a bit of transfer talk, Mr. Let's Lee. do it. So we obviously are privy to loads of different sources who email us or WhatsApp us or send us loads of messages saying we are going to sign X and Y. In the past couple of days, we've had two, well, two players through numerous sources who we've been told we are on the verge of signing. So we thought we'd talk about them yeah. um, to hopefully put a few fans' minds uh, at rest or maybe to go, what are you doing? Why are you signing these players? So the first one is Jordan Brown from Derby, who we hear is signing on loan, as far as I know. As far as I know, Jordan Brown is a young player from Derby who we expect the club uh, to announce fairly soon. Yeah, uh, obviously it's one of those where we don't know obviously enough about each player and whether or not they actually will go ahead. We're kind of breaking from our uh, usual of uh, not really doing something unless we were actually 100% sure. But, but yeah, Jordan Brown is expected to join us from, from Derby County. He has uh, been, I think, in and around their, uh, their young players, uh, their, their young squad. It's a name that's been mentioned by a couple of different, um, couple of different uh, sources to us. So there's, there's pretty, pretty good strength in that. And it's a midfielder. It, it's a position that we absolutely need to be to be strengthening in. I mean, we we're going to discuss sort of where we need to go, but I think it's it's re- where we need to strengthen. But I think quite strongly, it's the midfield is clearly one that we need to need to sort out. Yeah. So that was a name. It's been banded around. So that looks like well, we expect that to happen fairly soon. Another one who's been banded around the name is Ethan Coleman from Kings Lynn. So this one, there's a fee attached to it. Also, uh, Kings Lynn, as you're probably thinking, isn't that National League? Yes, it is. As far as I know, he's a central uh, midfielder. We expect that one to get completed fairly soon. So I guess we believe that there is a fee, a pretty decent fee for Kings Lynn. I think there was some, uh, there was a few uh, clubs in for him in the summer for whatever reason. Uh, I think Kings Lynn's chairman's a bit crazy. I think he just throws money at stuff. Um, so I believe there is an 80k fee for for him, Ethan Coleman. He played against Southend on Friday night, so we expect him to be uh, joining us imminently. Whether that's being done or going to be done, um, I assume they want to make sure that he's not picked up an injury from uh, Friday night's game. But you know, we we we're where are we now? We're on the 23rd of January. Where there's eight days left yeah. of this transfer window. Um, we've made two signings. One's a loan, a young loan signing. Uh, the other one's a, a fairly uh, experienced 26-year-old. 
uh, that, that's joined us. It's just when when you hear the club talking about the transfer committee, how when the window closes, they're already looking ahead to to the next transfer window, and there's six or seven names for each individual player. You're kind of expecting that the research has been done about the character of that individual, what type of person he is going to fit into the dressing room, that there's not going to be a culture clash, that he's the got the right you know, friends or family, that kind of background checks that the club do, speaking to coaches, what's he like, is he, uh, you know, is he, does he take stuff on or, or is he just one of those that does whatever he wants, that, all this kind of stuff. So that when the transfer window opens, we should bang, we should yeah, be getting yeah, yeah. in there within the first few days doing business like plenty of other teams in our league have been doing. We're now three weeks into the transfer window. We've made one loan signing and one free. And that's fine. And that's fine that it's a freebie. That's not to say that we should have to pay for, for, for signings. That's, that's not where I'm going with this. But my God, it's dragging. And it goes against the grain of what I said two weeks ago when we recorded just after Stoke. When I, correct, when I put a, bal- a balance yeah. across to what you were saying. But that two weeks ago... That was only a week into the transfer window. Now we're sitting here two weeks later, three weeks into this window. It's like, what is going on here? Why is it taking the, the transfer committee? What, what are they talking about? Why, why have we not got more to be talking about here? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's been frustrating um, for everyone. I mean, I've got to say, no disrespect to you know, Dan Moss and Otis Khan, but I'm, I'm underwhelmed so far. Right. Again, like like we have a transfer committee. We get told there's names being looked at. We get told we're going to be aggressive and go for it, and they've got investment, which is brilliant for the club. But it doesn't seem to be going anywhere in terms of. There's nothing exciting happening, and you know Jordan Brown, Ethan Coleman. I think most people will be sitting at home going, "Who? Eh? Yeah. Where's that? It's not going to set any anyone alive. I mean." Jordan Brown, I don't think he's played much for Derby, so it seems like we're getting another kid who needs a bit of football, who hasn't had football so far. And no disrespect to Ethan Coleman, and I love him to prove me wrong, but if he was that good, he'd have League One Championship clubs going after him for a measly sum of 80k, which is a lot of money to Leighton Orient, but it's not a lot of money to a Peterborough United who'd go, who normally are all over players like that, and yeah, yeah, to, yeah, to yeah, go and snap him up, get him in. So I've got to say, I'm still really massively underwhelmed by what I'm hearing. You know, we had the podcast two weeks ago and I said Tom James they should have had someone lined up straight away for that I didn't expect a signing on January the 1st but I thought they'd be getting the deals for those done very early I mean Dan Moss I don't think they would have been scoping out Dan Moss from an, an early early year in the season because he was on loan in Yeovil so I don't, that's come from Nugent I presume in the connection with Mill that's not come because someone scouted him really well that's Mill probably gone, oh, actually, if you like Mitchell, we've got another guy who you might like as yeah. well. He's currently doing well in the National League and he's probably a bit below his level. Do you want us to record him? Do you want him? Yeah. That's probably exactly. fallen exactly. on our laps. Notice Khan could have easily signed another deal at Walsall and then we would have had no one. You know, they've not paid a fee to get him out of there. He's just not his signed. Contract right? his contract yeah. so, so far, it just seems a bit mad. Like, you know, they've said the board for how well they've done, which, you know, they're very, um, their clarity that they speak with fans is great. But it just doesn't seem to be happening. Like, it's nothing to be excited about for an Orient fan at the moment. We've just come out of a boring North Port Bell. We've got a kid from Mill who could be very good, but he's on loan. We've got Otis Khan, who's been a bit of a journeyman, who looked all right, but mm. he's not, I don't think he's going to end up being a fan's favourite. The two guys we've spoken about now are, are 
Ethan Coleman, I don't think he's ever played a league match in his life, and I've not heard of him shooting up from the National League. And Jordan Brown could be any, like from Derby. You can't get in the Derby side, and Derby can't sign anyone. That's really yeah, <laughs> You're absolutely so, right. Plus, also, when you add to that, when Nigel's going on the Q&A uh, and doing the BBC London um, talk that he did... Um, and saying, oh yeah, you know, we're really going for it, and we're really going to make these signings, and you know, we're really going to, you know, we the the board have 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 approved extra spending on this. It's like, well, where where is all this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're really going for it, right? Well, we've played a game, a really bad game against Port Vale with two new signings. Don't get me wrong, but should there be three or four? There are plenty of other teams in our league who have enhanced their squads. Colchester being one of them. I think. Um, I can't remember who else it was, but there was another team that's made like four signings. You've got so teams far. like Mansfield who are going out and signing players from like Burton, like players who played first team from Burton and and are strengthening. I think we've sat here, you know, or sat with mates going, you know, it's only the eighth of January. Don't worry, it will happen. Oh, it's only the fourteenth of January. Oh, it's only the seventeenth of January. Don't. Worry. I just get to that point now. We're thinking, well, three weeks in. Come now, on, we don't want to be going, going into the twenty eighth, twenty ninth, thirtieth, not signing anyone because that's when people start panicking. And that's where you start making bad decisions because yeah. you don't have time to, to do anything else. So they might be playing their hand plays to see whether they can get them and leaving it till late and, and trying to outbid other clubs. However, at this moment of time, as we sit here on the 23rd of January, it's very underwhelming so far. Yeah. I don't think the board helped themselves when you get Nigel going on BBC London saying we're going to be aggressive and nothing happens. And even if they get this kid from Kings Lynn, it's a kid from Kings Lynn, no disrespect to Kingsley, but that, that won't excite me. Until I see him in an orange shirt and he scores a hat-trick on his debut, and I can say, oh, sorry, Nigel, I'm sorry, Ethan, I've completely underestimated you as a non-league player. It's one of, he's, him, he's one of those that, if it is him and if he does come to us, it's one of those with the Drynan and the Smiths where we, said, we looked at their records and went, oh, that's not very interesting or in, inspiring. Yeah, and then so. in, a, in a Kenny Jacket formation and structure and setup that he actually sets the league on fire and then we end up getting a fee for him like we did Macabon for example it's what it could be it could, it could turn be, out yeah. to it be one be. of those and that's obviously where our experience lets us down is that we don't have that and, and having yeah. watched him and scouted you'd assume that the transfer committee have sent scouts out to watch him and, and, and know exactly what his strengths and weaknesses are I'm sure there's plenty of scouts out there that are looking for him but yeah it's just really frustrating and really like oh yeah we're really going to go for it yeah we're looking to hit this hard second half of the season we've got loads of games in hand let's just go and whack it and sitting here three weeks into the tra- over three weeks into the transfer window and nothing yeah I mean I think it's pretty it's pretty straightforward right you don't need a goalkeeper because you've got Viggs who Touchwood has been injury free most of his career and you've got Sergeant Burn, you go get your keeper, you don't get any centre backs because we've got Happy and Thompson who can't play. They've got right back to an area that we've known that needs strengthening for ages. Left back, you go, you've got Connor Wood and you've got Theo. You can hope you to get one more, but it's not it's not predominantly like a, a huge issue. But then you go, right, that midfield creativity, that's been an issue forever, like since the beginning of the season. We know that's been an issue, and the fact Clay has now been injured, it makes it even more of an issue, and especially off the back of yesterday. But then you go, what have you been doing for the twenty three days? Like mm. you've not signed a central midfielder yet. Mm. Like Pratley, as we say, it hasn't he's not just been underwhelming yesterday, he's been underwhelming since October, September. Yeah. Kiprianu has been hot and cold. Yeah. But also they've known about Craig Clay for a good week or before so before he had yeah, the announcement because he had the operation Thursday morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was at least a week before that 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 was known. So why wasn't a replacement? I'd like to think they're doing loads. Knowing we had a cancelled yeah. game as well. I think I'd, you'd hope they're doing loads of work behind the scenes to try and get someone 
decent in who's going to get the, the fans are going to step back and go well bloody hell how they got him in but at the moment I can't I can't see it I can't see it I either. can't see it I'd love I really to be proven can't. wrong I'd love to be proven I really wrong. can't and I'd love to know from the club when we can expect these signings to be announced be it, be it Ethan Coleman Jordan Brown or others Ethan you know. Coleman has been banded around for the last six or seven days I would say if yeah. that's the case then why the hell was he playing on a Friday night against Southend where he could in theory get, a nasty, leg, get yeah. a nasty injury yeah. and the move come off I'm a bit surprised by that one but then you know not all rumours are true but we've, we've barely right. we've barely been wrong so yeah I think a, an hour 90 minutes that's probably right, time yeah. so let's wrap this bad boy up let's do that Fancy Football <laughs> then Jack Merritt is top of the Orient Outlook podcast Fancy Football League he's got 1,531 points he's ahead of James Duncan who's in second place on 1,490 points so he's starting to get a little bit of a lead there Steve has jumped up to 185th place Stop from 300 it. no but you were 240 something 260 so you were going the wrong way now you're in the hundreds if I so, can get, if I can as Yasmin said, the only way is yeah, up. If I get the top 100, I'll be, I'll That's be happy. That's going to be tough. Yeah, so let's do positives and negatives then. I think it's your turn to do positives. I'll do the positives. So, a clean sheet, never disregard that. That's always a good thing. Defenders and goalkeepers thrive on that. First league game of 2022 has now finally been yeah. played. And we've made two signings, despite our moaning there. <laughs> we have made two signings in Dan Moss and Otis Khan. And we genuinely hope to see them do good things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll bring you back down to earth with the negatives. So, the first one, the Port Vale <laughs> performance, was a 90 minutes, I'm sure. That won't live long in the memory that we can all forget as soon as we listen to this podcast. Uh, the second one is the injury list. No, Craig Clay, big loss, as well as James and Theo, who is still out. Three big players out for the O's. And the third one, we just mentioned, lack of signings. Nothing to get enthusiastic about. Get that fire in the belly going at the moment as it stands. I'd love them to come and prove me wrong to come back at us. And if you hear any rumours, feel free to give us a DM at Orient Outlook. We get enough, but we can always do with more. So... Carol Langley flies the other week returns. Yeah, we took this to Twitter. Um, so um, for for you guys to decide who should be the hero of the week, we nominated Dan Moss, Shad Ogie, Paul Smith, and as a bit of a left field one, the Fox, the Fox <laughs> from the box. And after two hundred and six votes in twenty four hours, the winner with fifty four percent of the vote was. It was only the bloody fox. <laughs> <laughs> Followed by Shad Ogie, who yeah. came second. Uh, I think they're all worthy worthy from yesterday. I thought Shad did well. Shad did well. Dan Moss, a couple of brilliant tackles, a couple of wayward passes, but to be his expected. Football League debut. Uh, and Paul Smith was, yeah. was, was good as well. Yeah, thanks to everyone for their vote. So next week's fixtures, in, they're going to come thick and fast now. Two fixtures coming up for the O's this week. First up... We welcome Newport County on Tuesday the 25th of January. Newport fifth in lead two. They've beat Scunthorpe 1-0 away on Saturday. They were lucky though, Scunthorpe missed a penalty. Uh, their last five results, they've won two, drawn one, lost two. I think we mentioned it previously. I don't think Newport will sit back. They'll come at us. They're scoring goals a lot. Dominic Telford in the last two months, I think it's probably the highest scorer in the, uh, mm. in the football league. They'll definitely come at us. That could play into our hands. I think exactly. I think we'll score against them. I think they'll score against us as well. Just got to make sure we score more goals than them. Yeah. <laughs> Secondly, then Saturday, 29th of January, we're making the trip to Nottinghamshire to play Mansfield Town. So Mansfield on a hell of a run at the moment. They beat Barrow three one on Saturday. They're currently seventh in League Two. They're like nineteenth in November. They've really shut up that table. Mm. Great run. They've won the last five games. I think they're on a club record at the moment. I think they've won their last seven or eight in a row and let's hope Danny Johnson has an off day although I'm not sure Danny Johnson's actually playing but Jordan Bowery definitely is another XO and he scored 
yesterday. So they're going to be a very, very tough team. The crowd will be right behind them. But what a way to go and you know, prove us wrong after this podcast, to go and win our, our next two games, even if it's to spite your own outlook. Yeah. I love it. If do it. Check, it does do it. it. Yeah, because it's a win-win. Sponsorship reminder, so don't forget for the best plastering and rendering prices around, visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or at Big Ads LOFC on Twitter for all your plastering and rendering needs. So that is it. Thank you very much indeed for joining us for episode 271. In what turned out to be a very disappointing performance from the O's, we are finally back in league action and the fixtures will come thick and fast now with the Saturday-Tuesday fixtures as we're in the final half of this season. We've made two signings so far this January transfer window. They both look to have fitted in well, but, and it's a big but, we clearly need to... We clearly need more reinforcements, especially in the midfield. And from what we are led to believe, Jordan Brown from Derby and Ethan Coleman from Kings Langley are due to join us soon. Yeah, so two big games coming up this week against teams above us in the table. So this feels like a pretty pivotal week in the O season. So fingers crossed, this time next week, we're talking about a much better seven days for the Orient with two wins to talk about and hopefully a few more additions. Yeah, just think just on that point though, I think the next few games that we've got are from teams that are all above us. So not just the next two games, the next five or six or seven Good. games are actually all against teams who are above us and actually doing well. So it's a real tough period that we're entering into. Yeah, but again, hopefully they'll come at us. Hopefully that plays into our hands yeah. and we can pick them off. So like we say every week, if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe, give the podcast a five-star rating and review. You can also review us now on Spotify. So go to Rate Show. There'll be a start option. Please make sure you give us five of those beauties. And if you're listening on SoundCloud, TuneIn or Stitcher, add us to your favourites. And that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as they are uploaded. We are also on all smart speakers. We are also on fan engagement app, Fan Hub. We are basically anywhere you would want to listen to a podcast. We are there for your listening pleasure. And if you have an older relative, a loved one or an Orient chum you think will like the podcast, grab their phones, grab their speakers, get them playing the Orient Outlook podcast. We'll be back with episode 272 next week, hopefully happier, yeah. and with all the information and views that you could ever need. Thanks to Matt, I would say, before we wrap this one up. Thanks Absolutely. for coming on. Yeah. Great to speak to him. So we look forward to hearing from you, and as always, keep calm, stay safe, have a great week, and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's. Up the O's.